Hi, welcome to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast, a weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. Covenant Presbyterian Church is an open, affirming congregation, and we're so glad you found us. Our primary mission is to equip God's people to serve Christ in the world. In our weekly messages, we hope that you'll find inspiration, encouragement, and even challenge for your faith journey. Please listen with us now. Anne Lamott, Christian author, famously said, there are only two kinds of prayers. This is going to be a really short sermon series. (laughs) The two kinds of prayers, says Anne Lamott, are thank you, thank you, thank you, and help me, help me, help me. Later, she did amend that to include one more essential prayer. She added, wow, wow, wow. Now, over the next month, I'm going to be fleshing that out a little bit, or you might say complicating the matter, but I also take it as true. Anne Lamott's statement is profound. Prayer is that fundamental to our being and to our existence. And it's honestly pretty basic, too. There are times in our lives when we just need to pray. It doesn't matter the situation. It doesn't matter the denomination. It doesn't matter the faith tradition. This need to prayer makes us turn our attention to a higher power and we give voice to our dependence and we acknowledge our need. It's when our bodies are ready to rejoice or our hearts are ready to collapse, we turn ourselves over to God and we ask God to receive our praise or we ask God to give us help. Back in college, one of my friends was a professed atheist, a biology major, and he was also a major adventurer. And I remember talking to him through the years in college about faith, and he was steadfast that it was not his to claim, and pointed to various scientific textbooks, I'm sure. But I also remember a conversation we had after graduation. And he shared with me what was his conversion experience after trespassing in the backcountry of rural Brazil when he found himself at the end of an offended farmer's gun barrel. Here he found his God after offering a prayer that probably went something like, help, please. The old saying goes, there are no atheists in foxholes, and I, for one, have recited Psalm 23 by memory in some really turbulent air. In prayers of thanksgiving and adoration, they operate this way too, as an automatic, as an urge, as a response. There are times in our lives when we are driven to praise. You know this, the birth of your child, The first sunny day after a month of rain, not that we know anything about that. That beautiful mountain view before your eyes. A relationship repaired. A goal accomplished. An addiction successfully kept at bay. Wow, wow, thanks, thanks. 
we pray. Now the Psalms in our scripture reading today, they are full of these automatic prayer utterances where we offer praise, where we offer lament. The psalmists say, save me, the waters have come up to my neck. The poet says, my mouth is dried up like a pot shard and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death, help. And we also hear the prayers of adoration. Open my lips and my mouth will just declare your praise. From today, give thanks to God. Bless God's name. The Psalms we know, they're the liturgical prayer books, the public worship of the people of Israel, the public worship books that we still use today. And so we know that prayer just at times rolls off our lips, bubbles up from our hearts, and it's been happening for the past millennium. Within us, there is a deep-seated desire to turn to the one who is holy. Prayer is fundamentally participation in the triune God, creator, Christ, and Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. But there, but, <laughs> but, there are other days too. Am I right? I can get an amen on that. There are times when we are not moved to pray. Maybe there's nothing so awesome to express or there's no need so deep that we know we must let go and let God. So if, as Anne Lamott says, and the Psalms seem to say, that prayer just bubbles up as a thank you, thank you, or a help me, help me, what happens when we just don't feel like praying? It's a good question. And it's a question taken up by Martha Morkish, Columbia Seminary professor in her book, Christian Prayer for Today. She asks, is prayer really prayer if we do not feel prayerful? What happens to our prayer if we do not genuinely feel it? What is prayer when approached as just routine? You all may be familiar with kind of a scandal. A scandal might be too strong a word, but something that broke after Mother Teresa died. You know, Mother Teresa had letters and journals that were published posthumously. And we found that this famous woman who made miracles happen who earned the Nobel Prize for work with the poor and the sick, we learned that she had serious struggles with her faith in God, with her faith in Christ. In these letters, we come to discover that Mother Teresa said she felt abandoned by God for over 50 years. As I was looking online, I found what is really interesting debate about whether or not this makes her an even better, truer, more authentic saint to have struggled. But there is no debate that 
even in her desert periods of total spiritual dryness, Mother Teresa continued to pray. As a founding member of her religious order, she participated in their liturgical life. She would receive the Eucharist, hearing prayers that we will speak today. She met with a spiritual director. She even penned letters to Jesus where she shared that she really just wasn't feeling them. In the end, we know that she arrived at an understanding that this absence of God, this felt absence of God, led her to an intimacy with Christ, who from his own passion cried, God, why have you forsaken me? But the theologian's question and the saint's witness here, they're important. Prayer, we don't always feel it. Prayer, it's not always productive. The modern approach to prayer can be a little bit like self-help or self-care. You know what I'm talking about. Prayer is the offshoot of the self-care industry where you get a gratitude journal and say thanks because it will get your heart rate down and your blood pressure could be better or you meditate as part of a solution to your increased work demands, along with wine nights and a regular spa day. But to practice prayer for stress reduction or personal hygiene is not really to pray the way people have been praying for ages. We all know people for whom prayer is a daily routine that are much more centered and are much more present. So it's not that it doesn't happen, but prayer itself, we all know. For those of us who have been in the business of Christianity for more than a minute, that sometimes prayer just doesn't work that way. Sometimes prayer will stir you up and not settle you down. Sometimes prayer leads to action. Often prayer leads to growth, which isn't always an easy thing. We also know that prayer can leave you dry. That help does not magically appear when you dust off your knees by your bed. So there is a danger if we pray to feel a certain way. So in our first Sunday on the rhythm of prayer, the main point is that we have permission for prayer to be routine. I'm not sure that's going to go well on the sign outside. I've been <laughs> tossing around some ideas like boring prayers welcomed here. If you're not feeling it, some of us may not be either. Come on in anyway. <laughs> Y'all can help me with that. But ultimately, isn't this good news? It is. It is good news. It is good news, though, because whether or not we feel moved to pray, whether or not we feel the effects of prayer, the words that we make with the mouths that we open, those words, they still, they still shape us. Martha Morkish says this, 
If we give up our preoccupation with ourselves and our experiences of prayer, we might realize that through prayer, our very selves are being reshaped, not by our own efforts, but by that unpredictable mercy of God. Permission for prayer to be about persistence and about routine is good news for the church. The church is our resource here because the church is a place that we pray whether we feel like it or not. At about 11.15 each Sunday, we confess, even if you've been perfect that week. And if you roll around to 11.20, we ask the Holy Spirit to come to illuminate the scriptures, to make this meaningful, to enliven us. We pray. And then, depending on how long I stand up here and preach, around 11.40, we pray for the world. We pray for the world's people. We pray for our people. And we always close with language that's by now routine. Our Father, who art in heaven, words that came from Jesus' own mouth when the disciples asked him, Lord, well, how then do we pray? He says, our Father. These liturgical prayers are words for public worship. They're patterns, they're traditions, and they form us in the confessions of Christ. Confessions that come from a really, really long time ago. And together, we say the words that we know by heart so that if our heart isn't in it, we can still pray. Thank God for that. This Sunday, we're not praying the prayers of the people. And you all probably know why. It is Communion Sunday. So on Communion Sunday, on the first Sunday of the month, there is a particular prayer that we pray. It's an ancient prayer. It's based on Jesus' own words that he would have offered at his last supper. It's called the Great Prayer. The Great Prayer of Thanksgiving. The Great Prayer of Thanksgiving is more scripted than many of our prayers. There is a lot of leeway that pastors have. But in the Great Prayer of Thanksgiving, we use an Antiochian, Trinitarian formula written in fixed form around 300 A.D. How about that? <laughs> and you all know your part, don't you? The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It's right to give our thanks and praise. 300 years ago, those words were set, and you remember them today, and they shape you today. But let me lift up the hood a little bit and talk to you about what comes next. 
You may or may not know this, but that opening paragraph, they call it the preface. It comes right after the Susum Cordia, which we just recited together. And in that opening paragraph, we give thanks. We give thanks to God for the work of creation. And we give thanks to God for God's mighty acts throughout time. In the preface, we remember that God's people didn't always get it right, that we turn away, but that God keeps sending that God gives prophets, that God gives the law, that in the fullness of time, God gives Jesus Christ, that God keeps covenant with God's people. God is now and God always has been reaching out to us all again and again and again, and all that in like two sentences. The second paragraph, more on salvation history, more on God's great acts, but this time, Focus on Christ. It's just a couple lines. It's the overview of salvation that takes place in a particular person at a particular time that human flesh is transformed and so holy. It's about the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and it leads us into the story of the Last Supper, which is why we've come together anyway. First paragraph, God. Second paragraph, Jesus. Third paragraph, on this Trinitarian Sunday, Holy Spirit. And in this paragraph, or in these lines, we pray that God who was reaching out then, again and again, that God is reaching out to us still. That God would send the Holy Spirit that the Spirit would fall upon these gifts of bread and cup and upon the people who are gathered here. That we might be Christ's body moving out into God's good world. I'm guessing y'all didn't know all these details. And it's okay, because didn't we start by saying sometimes prayer is just routine? But now you know the hood is lifted and you can look inside. Pastors have been reciting these words to pull your hearts and to tug your minds and to shape you for as long as you have been alive and at this table. And isn't it a good thing? It is. To say these ancient words in this modern day, to know that not everything evolves, that there's not always a newer model, it's especially good news, I think, for this first Sunday in June when the rainbow banners are streaming and nationally we celebrate Pride Month. It's a good thing because before Hallmark got a hold of anything, the words that Jesus said, the movement that God makes, has always, always always been about reaching out, about trying for us again, about extending this good news of the covenant relationship to all of us here again and again and again. 
There is one part of the great prayer that I admit I don't usually include. I have asked Justin to include it today, so we'll hear it. Do you know that sometimes the great prayer itself can last longer than eight minutes? But this piece, it's called the Sanctus, and it stretches back to the Jewish blessing prayers of the table that Jesus would have recited. It's a part of the Eucharistic liturgy. It was established early and found in traditions coming from Jerusalem, Antioch, Rome, and Egypt. It's the transition from paragraph one to paragraph two, when we move from God reaching out through the law, reaching out through the prophets, when we move to this part where God reaches out to humans by taking up our very flesh. Sometimes I leave it out, but the prayer is perfect. Straight from the ancient words of scripture, the prophet Isaiah, we open our mouths to hear, and one called to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of God's glory. Put that prayer on your tongue for your thank yous. Put that prayer in your mouth for your help me hours too. And keep it in your back pocket for those days and those ways when you just aren't feeling it. The need to shape your mouth in some more sacred way is still with you. Holy, holy, holy. The whole earth is full of God. Glory. Help us, Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast. I invite you to visit our website, covpresatl.org. That's C-O-V-P-R-E-S-A-T-L.org. There you'll find current worship information, links to our live Sunday morning streaming service, and our full archive of recorded services. You'll also find out more about us and how to get in touch. I wish you well in these strange times. God is with us. Grace and peace to you.